Hello and welcome to episode 75 of the MJ Cast. I'm Jamin Ball. I'm here with my co-host Q and we're getting ready to launch season four. Uh, got a bunch of things to talk to you guys about. Lip Sync Battle, a uh, new documentary coming out about uh, Michael Jackson impersonators, upcoming events like concerts and art gallery exhibitions and a great discussion topic with our new web assistant, Elise Capron. Enjoy. The following is a presentation from the MJ Cast. The internet's premier podcast on all things Michael Jackson. You're listening to the MJ Cast by MJ fans or MJ fans. The idea is to uh, innovate, or else why, why am I doing it? When I create my music, I feel like an instrument of nature. You let it create itself, really. I know I do. And I love to entertain. That's that's one of my favorite things. Welcome to the MJ Cast, your source of news and discussion on the King of Pop. Q, welcome back from Europe and welcome to season four. Welcome to season four, Jamin of the MJ Cast and to all (laughs) our wonderful listeners out there. We are back and launching with episode 75. Can you believe 75? Oh my god, 75, we're we're three quarters of the way to our 100th episode That is terrifying and amazing, (laughs) all at the same time This is definitely not the episode we had planned to launch with No, we we wanted to have a, I guess, a milestone tentpole episode for you guys A special interview with somebody, but unfortunately we weren't able to pull that off uh, for yeah, this release to date. no fault of our own. We, <laughs> uh, this episode was meant to have launched over a week ago, at least, yeah. if not more. We postponed it to try again, and again, it did not come to pass. He was like, "You shall not pass." No, it wasn't um, <laughs> like it wasn't Gandalf at all. But uh, and it wasn't a Jackson family member. Sorry, we didn't think we'd be able to try that. It was it was another guest, and it was actually our fourth attempt. I think is that correct for this particular person? And it just did not play out again, to our utmost frustration that we had delayed this launch for that reason. But um, we have quickly put this all together for you all to get this show out because we know how keen uh, people are for us to launch season four and we have been as well. That's right. So hopefully we will have some special guests coming on the show uh, to enjoy in season four. But uh, for the moment, we're going to put out a regular episode for you guys to enjoy full of news and discussion. Yeah, let's just get this season started. That's back. We were like, it. okay, we, we need to get this started. So <laughs> here we are with a regular news and discussion episode. But um, I don't know, just gazing into the crystal ball, Jamin, I predict some interesting discussion later in the episode. I think so, for sure. We've got, a, <laughs> we've got, a, uh, <laughs> we've got somebody who's joined the MJ cast team, um, Elise, and uh, you'll be, she's not on the show just yet with us. She'll be coming on later, just phoning in to, to talk about her role at the MJ cast, which is exciting. But Q, uh, there's some other reasons why we had a bit of a longer break than usual as well. You went away on holidays to Europe, so welcome back. I can't wait to hear from you later in the show about your trip and what you got up to. Yes, thank you very much. It was a wonderful and relaxing holiday, and I've got a few little MJ-related stories to share 
uh, later on, one being my dream came true and I finally got to see the MJ history statue that is beautifully restored and on display at a little car park at a McDonald's in a village called Best in the Netherlands. So stay tuned for that story. So yeah, that was one reason I was away for most of February. So we didn't launch again February. And then I think, to be honest, so that was a big reason. Well, you, you moved, you moved to civilization again, which is amazing. And I've been able to catch up with you on some visits to Brisbane and we look forward to doing that a lot more, which will be great. So that definitely took up some time and yeah, your new job. And I think also we needed it. I don't, I'm pretty sure you were the same. Um, I was a little bit burnt out after last season. <laughs> season three was huge uh, yeah. for so many reasons. But, yeah, it's it's done and it's locked in and it's a great season. We, we're g- going to be going on to some some even more exciting things with season four. We do apologize for the long break. It's now Easter pretty much. It's definitely <laughs> the longest Christmas break. But, but, guys, like, we dropped two episodes after our Christmas special. So. It wasn't a completely silent MJ cast landscape. There was two really good episodes. So I guess 72 was our Christmas finale episode. And then we followed it up with episode 73. We dropped an incredible, Jamin, you've done an outstanding job with that. Episode 73, a mixtape of um, over two hours of some incredible tunes, MJ arrangements, mixes, tributes. It's an amazing episode. So if you missed that, episode 73 is there and waiting. And Jamin, you finally completed the trilogy and we're not talking about uh, awesome Star Wars trilogy, which there was a (laughs) a Star Wars film also while we're on break. Uh, no, no, that's right. We did a Q&A. Uh, it's my JQ&A, just to round out the QQ&A and CQ&A trilogy um, of Q&A episodes. And I really enjoyed doing it. Had some great questions. Uh, it was a lot of fun to put together. And yeah, people have been given some great feedback as well. I didn't, I didn't actually think it was going to go down that well, <laughs> to be honest. I thought mine was going to be a little bit more boring compared to yours and Charlie's. But people seem to have enjoyed it, which I'm glad. And I look forward to maybe one day in the future doing another Q&A. Well, it seems you're pretty popular because 40-odd questions you got. Yeah, we got a bunch of questions. I, I do have set the record. So now it's your turn. When you do your next Q&A, you got to try and beat that. So we'll see. 47, I think. Well, uh, thanks to JD. He made me a <laughs> meme because you didn't make any <laughs> memes for me. Charlie had a meme for when he did uh, his Q&A. Um, so I think you need to make me a meme and we'll okay. see if we do any other Q&As. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there were some pretty cool apps and I'm glad people enjoyed those. And just going to mention as well from season three, Carly, our um, live tweeting queen, did a poll to figure out what the most popular episode was of all of season three from last year and it looks like the winner actually came in as our vindication day episode which was a simulcast with the reason bound podcast where ryan michaels and charlie thompson talked all about both sets of allegations against michael jackson from the 90s and the 2000s and and talked all about the uh you know the evidence or lack thereof in those cases and really set the record straight great episode 
And second place went to the Michael Prince special, which was episode 52, one of my personal favorites, um, where we got to chat to one of the most important collaborators in Michael Jackson's career, Michael Prince. Um, two great episodes. Thank you very much, Carly, for running that poll. And it's great to see what people's favorite episodes were of last season. That was a very well put together poll. Terrific graphics. Everyone could see every show art from all of the episodes from all of season three. So people could be reminded about what we discussed and who was on the episodes with us. So a lot of work went into that. And um, yeah, we really appreciate that, Carly. Thank you. So yeah, and I was really proud that such great episodes were in the top. Um, we were so proud to be able to simulcast the Reason Bound podcast, Pirates and Neverland, for our Vindication Day episode. So if you're new listeners and you haven't heard, uh, there you go. There's public opinion, I guess I've said episode 58 and 52, uh, our top two voted episodes as the best episodes of season three. So if you've missed those, go back. They're, they're in your podcast queue, just waiting for you to download and listen for free. For sure. Let's get into some news. We've had some news happen over the break, not a whole lot. Yeah, it's been really quiet. Yeah, it's been a bit quiet. I think things will ramp up again for sure this year. But for the minute, we haven't had too much news over the past few months. One thing that did happen recently was um, Paramount Network actually had lip, their Lip Sync Battle show. They did a, uh, a Michael Jackson special with... Um, you know, celebrities coming on and, and doing lip sync performances to Michael Jackson's songs. Did you get a chance to see it? I did. So this happened um, back in January. So we really were sort of like, okay, <laughs> there's not much news. What are some good things that happened? Um, so Spike TV was a network in the US. The channel's now been rechristened and relaunched, rebranded as Paramount Network. And they ushered in their launch with a special celebration episode of a very popular TV show in the US called Lip Sync Battle with a Michael Jackson celebration. Um, it featured, okay, I don't know many of these people, okay, so I'm going to be honest. Like Haley Stanfield and Taraji P. Henson, I am not hugely familiar with them. I don't even I know I do they know. Are. I know who Neil Patrick Harris is. So, yes. yeah, I got one out of the three. And they each got to choose a track uh, and perform it, lip syncing to the song uh, with some pretty incredible production. But at the start, there was also some little opening tributes that they all performed together. Yes. So you had only just seen this. I guess this was about the time that you were probably moving house and all that busyness and craziness. So, you just recently saw this very recently. What did you think? Um, well, I didn't not only watch it because I was really busy. I'm just, to be honest, and sorry if it's a bit of a negative note, but I just, I'm not a huge fan of this whole show. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I get it's fun and there's great production and great dancing and great costumes and it's cool to watch for that. But I just, I've never had this desire to, oh my God, I can't wait to sit down and watch Lip Sync Battle. It's its not something I'm really into. But no, I watched the performances this morning and they were fine. They were they were fun and there was some great dancing and costumes, like I said. 
Um, Neil Patrick Harris, of course, is is always great. So it was cool to watch him. But um, I guess you know it, it was cool to see Michael being presented in such a, a, a you know a positive way and seeing his art again replicated in a positive way for for people to watch. I know it's a really popular show, so I'm really happy that Michael was represented on it. But no, they were good. I don't know how to rate the performances because I mean they're not singing so i mean and i know the point of it is not to sing but yeah they were fine it was fun what did you think i forgot i forgot one of the, the actual three performances was um by laverne cox uh, laverne cox performed dirty diana Haley stansfield's performance was the way you make me feel and neil patrick Hab- neil patrick harris tribute was for smooth criminal yeah to be honest my favorite was actually laverne cox with dirty diana i think Mm. um that's such an underrated song and for someone to tackle that was uh pretty wild and see it get such love in in a very sort of authentic tribute from someone that really respected the song and and michael i thought for me i felt that one a bit more yet neil patrick Harris performing Smith Criminal was really cool and Hayley Stansfield, The Way You Make Me Feel was also really cool. I loved how she sort of flipped the male and the female roles in that track. I think um, in some ways they must have been really nervous. I don't know. I think when we see, you know, other fans doing tribute to Michael that you feel the passion a little bit more. In some ways, I think the huge production elements of this, there was so much riding on the technical side of it that they they didn't really do like when Joseph Gordon-Levitt did Janet and the passion just was so over the top that it carried and pushed the performance a lot more. But overall, it was so refreshing for something positive and fun and you know just great entertainment and it got huge ratings and people were just talking about Michael Jackson and it exposed you maybe people that were super familiar with some of his great back catalog songs and there was some amazing tributes by these performers and I think the Cirque du Soleil cast came and and contributed as well I think it was something really cool and positive to start the year with. And that's sort of why I was like, well, there wasn't a lot of news, really nothing happened. I'm going to go back and pull this up because I think it's cool that we get to start with something positive that people enjoyed. Agreed. Totally. But links will be in the show notes. There's some cool videos to watch. It's not all, you can go to a YouTube and watch them and um, we will have those links, but unfortunately they're not in one, um, you can't watch the whole show in one go on YouTube. It's all split up into like 10 different clips. So um, yeah. it's a bit annoying how they do that, but they'll be on YouTube. They are on YouTube for you to go watch now. You probably already have seen them. <laughs> so. Yeah, the ratings were big. A lot of fans yeah. were tuning in and a lot of viewers of the Lip Sync Battle show on the network was tuning in as well. So you may have seen it, but if you haven't, that's our first new story of season four. Second new story is all around Michael's beautiful daughter, Paris Jackson, and uh, a little segment she just did on YouTube. Um, I can't remember what channel it was for. I'll just bring it up now. But I think it was for Teen Vogue. Uh, and she has created a soundtrack or, or um, I guess, given her fans what she says is the soundtrack to her life or the top songs 
that she has listened to throughout her life and really loves. And this was a great video to watch. She's very, very charismatic in it. Talks about a lot of great, great artists and great songs. And um, it's a cool way to actually know too. The reason I liked watching it, apart from the fact that I learned a couple of songs I didn't know and just really enjoyed, you know, how she spoke about them was you get to hear about the songs that she was listening to growing up. So these are the songs that would have been playing and, you know, as Michael and and Paris was were traveling around the world perhaps, um, you know, in her younger years. So, yeah, pretty cool to hear that. Q, it's a fun video, hey? Yes, we're going to play it now, aren't we? Yep, let's play it. My name is Paris Jackson and I'm going to share with you guys the playlist of my life. So my first song is Moon River by Andy Williams because it was one of my first ever favorite songs. And I grew up listening to this genre of music. It kind of encompasses all of my favorite like Sinatra songs and Bobby Darin songs and um, kind of just that whole era. But this is like my kingpin for that. Moon River, wider than a mile. Frank Ocean did a cover of it and it blew me away. It was absolutely incredible. Peaceful Easy Feeling by The Eagles. This has always been one of my favorite songs because it reminds me a lot of, I guess, uh, James Taylor, Paul Simon, Simon and Garfunkel. I don't know why, but it reminds me of the desert. I don't know, the Eagles are one of the bands that I just picture listening to on a road trip. It just makes me feel good and it makes me feel peaceful and easy. Cause I got a peaceful, easy feeling. I actually saw The Eagles play last summer with Steely Dan and the Doobie Brothers. It was one of the most incredible experiences of my life. All the answers to the universe at that show is life-changing. Concrete Wall by Z. Avi had a huge, I guess, prominence in my life um, right before I went through all the crazy high school teenage angst that we all kind of go through, and this was like my emo song. It reminds me of um, going out of town and, and getting sober and getting things right and, and kind of fixing up my life and creating myself to be the person that I'd be proud to be. Maybe you should pack your things if it's that dreadful, then just leave it all. I still have a lot of pride in myself when I listen to it, comparing where I was then and where I am now. Sir Duke by Stevie Wonder is one of my all-time favorite songs um, because this one definitely takes me back to when I was like growing up. I grew up listening to like all of the Motown's greatest, like Four Tops, Temptations, The Supremes, and Sir Duke is just like one of those feel-good songs that it doesn't matter where you are and it's gonna make you feel nice inside. Music is a world within itself with a language we all I feel like I just want to dance and sing along to it. Somebody by Slightly Stupid is another really good, feel-good song. This reminds me of like freshman year and like finding kind of what stereotype I wanted to throw myself into, whether it was like the skater stoner or like the popular girl or the sports person. And I don't know, like for some reason, I just like went with this and it made me feel great. I do remember the first time I heard it, pretty sure I was at the skate park in Venice Beach. Gotta get up. Gotta get up. Gotta get up. 
When I listen to it now, I get like flashbacks of like really great times when I was younger and I get to daydream when I listen to it, so that's nice too. What a Fool Believes by the Doobie Brothers. Oh. But this didn't become one of my favorites until recently, until after I saw them play with these badass motherfuckers. I first heard it in the parking lot walking to Dodger Stadium. We had already missed most of their set, which was really sad, but we got to see all of Steely Dan and the Eagles, so I'm not gonna complain. And she rises her apology. Anybody else would surely know. Makes me feel groovy. Daniel by Elton John, one of my favorite songs. This one just reminds me of puppy love, honestly. I was in eighth grade and I was in the middle of doing homework and I didn't want to do homework and I wanted to listen to music. I was listening to like a bunch of Billy Joel and Bowie at the time and this came on and I was like, yeah, this is like the perfect song for me being an emo 14 year old who got her heart broken. I first heard this song actually my oldest brother played me the cover that Jay-Z had done of it and I really liked the chorus and I like would listen to it with him and then eventually a friend of mine shared with me the original I think I was in seventh grade when I first heard this song and I fell in love with that one like ten times more than the cover that I had originally heard it just like makes me feel all kinds of things from the tip of my head all the way down to my toes when I hear it Music's everything to me. Music is kind of all I know and the biggest form of connection that I have with anything and it's fuel and it's inspiration and it's love and it's beauty and it's all of the amazing things that make you feel good. Let me rephrase that, it's all of the things that make you feel, period. Not just good, but everything. That was so sort of enlightening to hear that Paris grew up with this music and a lot of it, I think we can all guess who introduced her to it. And I yeah. think that's really special. For me, that was what was really special. Was I could just imagine Michael teaching his kids about music and production and different styles and influences, who influenced him, who influenced his, um, people that, that he loved and he, things like that. Um, I loved it and yeah, great selection of music just to be reminded about as well. Uh, Charlie Ray over on Twitter, thanks for posting that and linking me in it when it first dropped because I thought it was really cool. So I really appreciate that. And I'm glad it was such a great little package that I really wanted to play that for everyone that might not be able to see the video. Of course, Paris has been doing amazing stuff. There's so many things we could have spoken about but you've probably seen it all across social media anyway. She wore a stunning, beautiful green dress at an Oscars after party, and that was like a subtle tribute to her um, dad because he used to call Paris Tink or Tinkerbell in reference to the fairy from the Peter Pan stories. So her beautiful makeup and dress was sort of like a tribute to Tinkerbell and to Michael. Um Great reviews are coming out for her little cameo in the Gringo film, which was sort of making the rounds about later. There'll be a link 
for something related to that we discuss later in the show. And yeah, Paris has just been nailing it and doing amazing things. So yeah, I guess one of the benefits of our original plan for launching this news episode, which would have ended up being the second episode of the season, is we get to talk about the Kickstarter project for the Moonwalkers documentary film. And when this goes to air, listen to what I've got to say, go and check it out yourself, make a decision, and there'll still be some time after the launch of this, which is, you know, what is the date? So it's like uh, mid bit after mid-March, end of March, get in because there's still a little bit of time that you might be able to support this uh, Kickstarter and let's get this film finished. So Moonwalker's documentary, The Legacy of Michael Jackson, it is a documentary film from a BAFTA award-winning team of filmmakers and it is a film about Chevelle, Quinton and Malachi, who are three Michael Jackson tribute artists from small towns on the west coast of the US who dream of making it big in Hollywood. The three performers met through their shared love of Michael Jackson and they, they formed a group, a super group, if you will, called the Three Generations, the Michael J Experience, because each of these tribute artists represents and performs a different era from Michael's career. Now, this has been a self-funded documentary film being made over the last four years, following the group from uh, how they met, their inception and their early street performances and how they are following in Michael's footsteps and they embark on a road trip to Hollywood to follow their dream. And it's like a – it's a – it's Hollywood, you know, is full of people seeking their dreams and hoping to make it big. And, and it's not always like that. And in this film, we get to see the, the guys facing like harsh realities and trying to make it, you know, they sleep in their cars, they grab any opportunity that comes their way that they might be able to dance and earn just a couple of dollars. And I think this is a great reminder of, you know, the American dream and the hard work go- goes behind it. I think a conversation for another time is Michael Jackson impersonators and tribute artists, but I think that is a important conversation that this documentary film can uh, address. Um, you know, this is just three guys who are trying to make it and their tribute to Michael is all done from love and it's done from a good place and this film looks really fascinating. What what do you think of the the documentary film and what it looks like, Jamin? Oh, I think it it looks really great. Um, I am excited for this. We first heard about it a number of months ago, and um, ever since I first watched the trailer, I, I realized how good a hands that this documentary is in. Clearly. Um, there are masterful filmmakers behind this documentary. It looks fantastic. It is beautifully shot. Uh, the camera work is incredible. The thing that's drawing me in most about this documentary is, um, I mean, it's no secret that I'm not the biggest fan of Michael Jackson impersonators. And, and I mean, I'm not, I don't think they do the wrong thing. I don't think they're unethical. I'm just personally not that excited by what they do because 
well, I won't get into that now, but that's cool. These, this is different. These guys on the movie, the movie's about the guys. The movie's about the real people. It's not like a documentary of let's sit down and watch people pretend to be Michael Jackson for two hours. It's not like that. You can tell by the trailer it's going into the stories of these three men who are people trying to make it in Hollywood through being Michael Jackson impersonators. They're also classy as heck. I mean, they're not just... A lot of the MJ impersonators you see on YouTube usually just sort of dresses Michael in the 90s. But these these guys are all eras. Like there's off-the-wall costuming going on and some really, really cool stuff. They, um, they're very charismatic guys that seem really fun. And I look forward to experiencing their stories as people. I have, as we've spoken just now in the last five minutes, I've pledged 25 pounds to this documentary um, through Kickstarter. And I look forward to it hopefully being a reality. You have 14 days left from recording. So we're recording today. The show will come out in seven days. So when this comes out, you'll have one week to get on Kickstarter and make this reality. You, you do not get charged money at all unless the project is successful. But think of it this way. You pay money to go and see a movie at the cinema. Yep. So this is basically an advance ticket. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've pledged 25 pounds. That's like a medium amount. You can pledge 15 pounds and still get access to it. So make sure you give this a go. And hopefully Tom Goudsmit um, can, can make this film a reality with our help. That's right. Uh, so the director and cinematographer is Tom Goudsmit, and he's an award-winning documentary filmmaker. He was a director of photography for the BAFTA-winning documentary Just a Few Drinks, uh, which was on the BBC. Uh, it is also produced by BAFTA winner Tristan Anderson, who's a lifelong Michael Jackson fan and also BAFTA award-winning documentary filmmaker for that same BBC film, Just a Few Drinks. So these aren't like, you know, just someone that's picked a camera up for the first time. These guys have made some pretty amazing documentaries in the past. And it's really cool that there's this story of struggle and dreams which involve Michael Jackson, and um, let's try and get this made because they've done all they can with their own money for four years, and making a film is very expensive, so expensive. And then this is a documentary, so this is an educational artistic experience, and I think it deserves to be made and finished, and these guys' stories deserves to be heard. And it will help in that conversation amongst fans about Michael Jackson tribute artists and impersonators. So I also am pledging to back this and I hope that we can encourage some other people to pledge some money and that will be your viewing ticket to see it. So it's the same as renting a movie or going to cinema. Like that's what Kickstarter is. It's like a pre-order. You pledge some money and then there's different award levels and, from certain levels, you pledge some money and you'll be able to see the film. So it's basically like an advanced ticket. And you get stuff so, too. Yeah. Like you get, you get, there's reward tiers, like you said. So if you pledge certain amounts, you, I think if you pledge 50 pounds or more, you get your name in the credits of the actual movie. Yeah. Um, 15 pounds or more, you get, you get the movie. Um, and then as you go up into the different levels, you get like all kinds of different awards, like personalized signed things and access to the red carpet premiere in London. And you get um, 125 pounds or more is pretty, 
pretty crazy you get a makeup tutorial and makeover from one of the three mj impersonators they they actually sit with you and make you up and do all that stuff um <laughs> and then it's, it it's goes, online it's an yeah. online makeup tutorial oh, it's so an they online don't one. come and okay. do it yeah oh, okay yeah too. but yeah there's there's a lot so uh head head to kickstarter search for moonwalkers documentary we will have the link in the show notes as well we've also shared on social media uh links uh, with a little story about this as well so go and check it out we've both backed it and we hope some other fans do because we'd like to see the film and they just need some help to get it finished and that is not too much to ask hi my name's tom goodsmith i'm the director of moonwalkers and my name's tristan anson and i'm the producer of moonwalkers Moonwalkers is a documentary following three Michael Jackson street performers on their journey for fame and fortune in America. Three generations, the Michael J experience. Quinton, Malachi and Chevelle all hail from small towns on the west coast of America. Inspired by their hero, they go on a journey of self-discovery to try and conquer Hollywood. It's three Michaels. It's like the Father Michael, the Son Michael, and the Holy Spirit Michael. <laughs> when I first saw the three Michaels dancing together, I was struck by their energy, enthusiasm, and love for MJ. After talking to them, I realized that if I could capture that, we could have a really beautiful film. We want to make a film that not only shines a light on the lives of our three Michaels, but also looks at the nature of the American dream and what it takes to achieve that. I'm chasing my dream to be famous all over the world. I'm not afraid for cameras to shine on me or dancing in front of thousands of people. We're going to practice, choreograph, and collaborate. And I think we're going to look for an opportunity to uh, make this, you know, bigger. Me and Tom have self-funded the film for the last four years. We've completed the majority of the filming. Now we really need your support to help finish the film, to cover the costs of editing, music, and one final shoot with the Moonwalkers in California. We've got high hopes for Moonwalkers, so please help us make this film a reality and become part of the Moonwalkers team. One, two, three. Last season, we talked a little bit about an exhibition that's coming to London's Portrait Gallery called On the Wall, which is an exhibition that has over 40 artists doing their take on Michael Jackson. I know there's a lot of UK fans and European fans excited for this exhibition. I wish I lived in London so I could go and see it, but uh, it is an exciting thing coming for Michael fans. Yeah, I wanted to just include this as a reminder of things to look forward to this year. Uh, as we start the new season and, you know, we're already a good chunk into the new year. Sorry, again, that we're late launching season four. But, um, yeah, I thought it would be really positive just to remind people that there's some stuff to look forward to. And I, for one, look forward to hearing about the On the Wall exhibition. The exhibition um, takes, you know, an entirely new and radical approach by exploring the cultural impact of a unique figure through contemporary art. 
so it'll be a really cool exhibition. And I know a lot of our listeners that are in that area will be going to see it. And we look forward to hearing about it um, across social media. But I just, yeah, I just wanted to remind people that that is something to look forward to. That's coming up on his birthday anniversary, isn't it? Yeah, there's a lot going on around that time. So that's the 28th. Um, the, the, his actual birthday is the 29th of August. But I believe that this exhibition begins the day before on the 28th. Yes, so it'll be open one day before his birthday, but it will continue through that as well. That is so cool. And yes. So also things to look forward to this year, you know, check uh, Jackson's source for upcoming concert dates for 3T, Tito Jackson, Janet Jackson and the Jacksons. We've got very exciting news with Janet Jackson doing two music festivals. Uh, Janet will be forming 28th of July in New York at Randall's Island Park at the Panorama New York City Music Festival and then in the 5th to the 8th of July in New Orleans, Janet is performing with an amazing lineup at Essence Fest, which I think is going to really make a lot of people very happy and dance. It's an amazing lineup. 3T, of course, have announced two concerts. There's their Naples, Italy concert on the 29th of August for Michael Jackson Day. And also the 1st of September in Paris, there will be a, another concert uh, featuring 3T. And, of course, Tito has a number of dates coming up. Head over to Jackson's source for that. And the Jacksons are still touring. Looks like mainly around the UK, which people can catch the Jacksons as well. Yeah, they're spending a lot of time in the UK lately. And I think they need to share the love a little bit, fellas. Come on, <laughs> we're waiting for you down here in Australia. <laughs> Absolutely. It would be great to see the gentleman again. Um, but yeah, it's cool to see that the, the Jackson family are out performing heaps and heaps this year. And I wouldn't be surprised if eventually we start hearing rumors about um, Jermaine's, Jermaine's boy getting out there and doing some stuff. I know he's got music coming out on the horizon. He put a Instagram video up recently of an acapella um, vocal performance. So who knows what's going to happen there, but we've got a new generation of Jacksons coming up with great music too. That's it. Austin Brown's still out there doing some unplugged sort of acoustic gigs, uh, which people have been able to see, and I'm sure there's more to come. And just a little shout-out to listener Eniola. I know that you were super excited that the Jacksons will be performing at the Common People Southampton Common uh, Festival May 26-27. You were, like, very excited that they, they're coming to your town and uh, I'm really happy for you that you get the opportunity to go and see them at that festival. And you all have fun. Um, and just before we move on too, uh, I just wanted to point out, especially to listeners, that the 3T appearance or performance that's happening in Italy is in conjunction with their official um, Michael Jackson Day event that happens every year. Now, that's, a, that's sort of like a, a fan-run event 
that is uh, that includes a lot of different kinds of performances. I remember a couple of years ago, friend of the show um, and author of the first book of Michael, Sil Mortilla, he went to that event and did like a, a speech. So that in particular would be a great event, I think, for European fans to go to. There'll be more than just 3T there. There'll be a range of things happening. Yeah, that would be pretty special. Yeah. Um, and if you've got a Michael Jackson event happening for his birthday, let us know as soon as possible because then we can share the news. We can put a link in the show notes and um, people will be able to attend. And it's easy to organize your own event. Like no doubt in Perth, where I live in Western Australia, we'll be having another Michael Jackson charity lunch. So if you're a listener in Perth, there's something to look forward to and stay tuned online and listening to the show for the details of that. But yeah, I think it's easy to celebrate Michael and people just need to start that process. And if you are going to a show, let us know if you're going to celebrate Michael for his birthday this year, because it's a big one, let us know. Q, our last news story. Not so much a news story, but it's something that I'd been emailing with a listener about. And I wanted to sort of just mention this. This is a story um, that SoCav, in a fan listener in the Netherlands, uh, told me about via email. And it's a great story about a Michael fan that has sadly passed that I wanted to give him a mention and to honour his memory and also to serve as an inspiration for others. So I'll be sort of sharing some details from the email I got telling me about this story. But SoCav had said in in his um, email, personally, I do not think I've ever heard of a fan who better represented so many of the things that Michael stood for in their personal and professional life. Sadly, SoCav learned late last year that a fellow MJ fan from the country, the Netherlands, where they live, passed away very suddenly and unexpectedly back in June in uh, 2017 as a result of blood poisoning. He was only in his mid-30s and his name was Mustafa. He'd only recently gotten married and his wife was just a few months pregnant with their first child. And although SoCav didn't know him personally, but had seen him at two MJ events, uh, fan events in the past, he was not really an impersonator, but simply a fan that loved to dance. And besides being a fellow fan, he was by all accounts an amazing and inspiring person. Having been an electrician originally, he was encouraged to change his career by a customer when he told her his hobbies were to dance and to help kids off the street. As a result of a lot of hard work, he ended up becoming a very beloved teacher of social work and dance who encouraged his students to be positive and to be themselves. The impact he had is evidenced by the fact that a few hundred people, including many ex-students, attended his funeral and it even made the local news headlines. Not only was he very much inspired by Michael and his message, he also displayed his fandom openly, and for instance, by organising MJ group dance performances with his students. 
I, I was just really moved by this story, and I think it shows how Michael has inspired people and how he can inspire us. And through our actions, we can actually have huge impacts as this young man did before he tragically lost his life so young, encouraging, you know, people that needed encouragement and needed support. And with that, they were able to lift their lives and improve themselves. So I just wanted to just share that and show that, you know, Michael can inspire you just as he did this wonderful fan, Mustafa. Uh, may he rest in peace. And I really appreciated hearing about this story. And I hope that, I don't know, something to think about. It's a beautiful um, sentiment, Q, that you wanted to include that. Thank you for that. It is uh, it is very touching. And um, obviously, Mustafa will have a legacy that will live on, definitely, through his students um, and all the people Absolutely. he helped. Yep. Absolutely. So, again, thank you, Sokav, for um, sending me that story. I, I, Yeah, I felt it. I guess it's a good time for a little music break.
Hey, this is Taj Jackson of 3T, and you're listening to the MJ Cast. All right. Well, we've just uh, wrapped up our news there. Some exciting things that we, we got to talk about. And now we're going to move on to our main discussion topic of the week. And uh, Q, we've got somebody special to introduce to our listeners, don't we? We do. Finally, we, we've got uh, someone on the line that has um, saved our backsides, as I would say. Yes. So who would you like to introduce to our wonderful listeners? Well, we have got... The wonderful Elise Capron, who is our new web assistant for the MJ cast. And Elise is going to be, or already has, I should say, picked up a lot of uh, responsibilities around doing uh, some Twitter interactions and writing our show notes for the website and really just helping Q&I out a lot with with, uh, putting the show together. So we're very appreciative to have Elise on board. She's a huge MJ fan. Um, So welcome. Welcome to the team, Elise. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. I am so excited to be here. This has just been a really incredible experience for me. And as I know, all your listeners feel this way too, that, you know, I appreciate so much just everything you guys have done to really help support Michael Jackson and the Jackson family's legacy. So it's really an honor to um, be able to work with you. Oh, bless you. We're just two fans (laughs) talking and now we're talking to you. We really, really appreciate your assistance with all the internet stuff, like just like the little things that have built up in the background, like followbacks and and you've even sort of in a way revolutionized the followbacks with Instagram especially and, you know, getting sending links to those people, um, which is amazing and hopefully, you know, some of the people listening now are are subscribed listening to the show because, because of that. Uh, so thank you for that. And and I know how big the responsibility of the show notes is for a lot of people to, to read. And, and I know how huge a job that is for in the past for Jamin to have put together. So knowing that you're assisting with that sort of thing is incredible because it, it it's it's essential for the show. And it really helps get the show out by your assistance with that. So just so much appreciation for all of that. And I know you're a busy, busy, busy lady anyway with your day job. So we really appreciate it. And you're also working on something else in the background for us as well. So yeah, (laughs) we have so much cooking. It's wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Cody in the background as well. Hey, Cody. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Indeed. And I want to give a little shout out to anybody who I've already been able to interact with on social media, and I look forward to doing more of that. Yeah. So you're signing your um, tweets as E, right? Yes. Yes, I am. So if you see E and probably a little sparkly heart, that's me. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I, had to add, I had to add a little feminine touch, you guys. Yeah, you got to have that some emoji in That is cool. <laughs> and tell, tell <laughs> listeners a little bit. I, I'm really interested in what you do as actual job as well. So you're a, yes. a literary agent, right? Yes. Yeah, so I am a literary agent. I am based in San Diego, California. And um, I so I work in, in book publishing. And um, I'm sort of like a... Uh, I'm sort of like a sports agent for authors. <laughs> so I'm, I, like I manage that. their careers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm like the Jerry Maguire, right? Um, <laughs> and 
So I manage authors' careers, and um, yeah, I'm at a boutique agency. Uh, we our agency represents a really wide range of fiction and nonfiction authors um, in the states and around the world. Uh, some some of your listeners might know people like Amy Tan, who wrote the Joy Luck Club. Wow. Um, we have a lot of the big uh, Asian American women writers, in particular, um, but also a lot of historians, Jamin. Um, a oh. lot of historians on our list. And, uh, yeah, we do all kinds of stuff. And I also do, um, so I do a lot of literary fiction and work with a lot of journalists as well. So it's really fun. It's really rewarding. I've been doing that for 15 years and, um, and I love it. It's a very, very creative job. Um, every day is different. Um, and it's really exciting. So what does your main job entail? Do, do authors come to you with like transcripts of what they want to release and then you give feedback or you're trying to connect them with publishers? How, do, what, what do you actually do? So as their representative, what I essentially do is that they submit their project to me, to our agency. And if I feel like there's a market for that book and I can sell it well and really be an advocate for that particular writer, then my primary function is to try and find a publisher for their book. Um, And then I negotiate the contract for them. And I also act as a career manager through the whole life of the book. So I'm arguing over jacket art and making sure that they're doing enough PR for the book and and things like that. And talking to the author also about doing something like writing an op-ed or an article for a magazine and helping with them with that side of it too. So it's really looking at the whole big picture, but our primary function is um, finding a publisher to do that particular project. Oh boy, that's wow. really exciting! I can't wait to have you on episodes in the future where we're speaking to uh, authors on Michael Jackson. Yeah, I know that would be fun. Very cool, very cool. So, listeners out there, if you have a Michael Jackson book in mind, you have a contact. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, I am here. I'd be happy as long as you are okay with my completely frank honest opinion about the market i am happy to hear from you <laughs> not everyone wants to hear <laughs> the truth about the market sometimes but <laughs> yeah yeah so we've heard from a lot of authors um yeah, I, I think um i think for both of us anyway i think uh, like i've got a home library and i know jamin has to read a lot for obviously for his work and he likes reading as well i think that's so cool that we actually hear about the sort of the back of house mm-hmm. sort of process Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fun. It's challenging. It's interesting. Um, it's hard. I mean, getting a book to succeed in the world. I mean, you guys have had, you know, so many authors on the show and, you know, you like, for example, when, you know, Damien Shields and kind of hearing about how his process was and uh, and how tough it can really be to break out, but also deciding the right path for your book. Like, I mean, Joe Vogel was able to go through a traditional publisher. Damien decided to self-publish. And um, I think I think hearing about the process each person goes through is really interesting. And I believe um, Mike Smallcomb also self-published, I think. It's, it's great that there's so many different, like, avenues that people can take now. Exactly. Whereas I guess in the past, there, that would have been a lot more limited options for, for authors. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the future. <laughs> it is. It is. So Elise, take us back a little bit and we, I want to find out as well more about your fan story. Why don't you talk to us about when you became a Michael fan and, and those early days in your, in your MJ fandom? Yeah, so um, I have been a 
Michael Jackson fan my entire life, um, as far back as I can remember. I would say it probably originated for me. Well, I, I'm a Southern California kid, so I I grew up in I grew up less than an hour away from Disneyland, and so for me, I was I was born in 1982, the year of Thriller, um, <laughs> and when Captain EO opened uh, at Disneyland in 1986, we were so close that we went there all the time. And apparently my mother tells me that from the first time I saw Captain EO, I was just absolutely mesmerized. It changed my life. I didn't want to go on any other rides. There were no teacups, nothing. All I wanted was to repeatedly make my mother sit through Captain EO. And, and of course I went back and back and back. So that really was where it started for me. Um, I just developed a complete love and immediate love for his music. I remember that Bad was the first cassette tape I bought with my own money. I actually remember walking to the, you know, record store when they actually still had those. <laughs> and I don't know if there are any left in San Diego and buying that cassette tape and having dance offs in my living room and all the things I know a lot of us other, you know, fans since childhood have done. But yeah, it was really just a part of me uh, for as long as I can remember and has always, I've always felt incredibly emotionally connected to it. The place where I have kind of been lacking in my life as a fan is I I never really had much of a fan community around me as terms of my friends um, and so that was always a little bit hard and I know actually a lot of your listeners can probably relate to that is you know not necessarily having your close-knit um, circle of fan friends um, and it was hard as we all know going through certain eras of Michael's career and not really having a support system it could be tough so there were moments when I you know kind of would go in and out a little bit in terms of how close I was to um, you know to kind of being a really really dedicated fan um, during some of those tough years um, because I had nobody to talk to about it and it was a strange time for me but for the most part I was always there I always had I always had one or two friends I could talk to but really it was actually like when I found you guys that I had a real fan community uh, and support system reestablished for myself. So it, it, this has been so crucial to my own journey, I think, and so rewarding as well. And I just think it's so incredible that all of these people around the world can come together in this magical place called the internet um, and really, you know, just have a positive place to talk about this stuff and keep everything alive. So that's wonderful. I just love that. I'd never got to see Michael Jackson in concert, a big regret of my life, just because I didn't grow up going to a lot of concerts. So that wasn't something I really even considered very sadly, but he's always been there in the background through thick and thin and has always been part of my identity in a big way. And, and what I really believe too is as a fan, you know, really seriously assessing Michael Jackson's legacy and, you know, thinking about what it means and, and keeping it alive in a way that's really honest and true. And that's another thing that I think you guys do 
so well, which I really appreciate. As far as other MJ stuff I've done, um, I have been to Neverland. I have not been inside, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, I did go to the Neverland Gates, which was incredibly exciting. I did that on my honeymoon. Oh, Um, wow. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Honeymoon. Oh, yes. My husband was because we were doing a little road trip from San Diego to San Francisco and we had and we had to go to you know Neverland Ranch. That's not a little road trip. That's quite a big road trip actually. <laughs> well, it was over a few days. It was great. We did all that wonderful stuff like Hearst Castle and everything. But yes, my my husband is a very very good sport. So, yeah, we did that and I've been to the uh, Cirque du Soleil show a couple of times which is, which Q, I know you've seen that, right? So the, the um, Vegas one show? Yeah, the Vegas one show. Um, I did see that. Fantastic. It's really great. It is a good show. Very mm-hmm. good. And so I've seen that a couple of times. But Did you yeah, that- get to go there um, now, like after the statue had been installed in the hotel lobby? I have not seen it with okay. the statue, no. Okay. But hopefully I'll go back and see it. Cool. And that's it. That's good. That's a good fan story. Yes. What about some uh, favorite things? Share some of your favorite things. So my favorite things, I mean, I would say in terms of album and also tour, for me, it's all about bad. (laughs) 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 Um, I mean, I'm a huge, huge fan of history and also a huge fan of Dangerous, but Bad is the album I absolutely, you know, grew up with. I and I love deep down to my core and makes me happy and feel comforted no matter what. I also think that, you know, the bad tour, as you guys have talked about many times, was really when Michael was at his peak in a lot of ways as far as a performer. Um, and I never get tired of watching of watching that footage. I I am not for me the the lip syncing stuff, you know, I have a problem with as I know you guys have also talked a lot about and it doesn't come alive for me in the same way. So, um so that, you know, that bad tour is like the moment, <laughs> the peak. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. At least it's all about those uh patent leather come together video pants and the open <laughs> shirts. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, well, that makes your your little sign off tag on your tweets is really really fitting, then, isn't it? <laughs> That's true. I'm uh, stay bad, which stay bad. Um, it's oh. the first time I've said it out loud. I feel maybe a slightly <laughs> silly saying it out loud, but yes, if you see stay bad, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay. Very cute. Very cute. Ooh, that's cool. Okay, so is there anything? you think that's unique about being like a female mega fan that us guys have not experienced or exposed to? Oh, geez. (laughs) That's a strange question. Um, I'm a strange guy that comes up with strange (laughs) questions. I wasn't prepared for that one. Um, I wasn't either. I just thought of it. So. Like I think, uh, you know, me and Jamin, we're, we're two guys. We might have different viewpoints to the way like a female mega fan is. Like obviously it's going to be easier for yourself to go, you know, Michael looks super sexy and hot in this kind of get up and something like that. But like oh, I know for guys it was it's always maybe a bit of a battle when 
people find out you're a huge MJ fan, like, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can cop a lot of crap for that. Is it the same for girls? Well, I think, I, I just think in general, um, it is hard to be an MJ fan um, yep. right now. Most people think I'm really silly when I bring it up and think it's cute. I get called cute a lot or they have a problem with it because so many people, you know, very, very sadly believe that his, his allegations, despite all the evidence. And so I do encounter a lot of resistance and I don't know if that's, I don't know how that would be different than your experience, but, but I do spend a lot of time thinking about Michael Jackson as a tortured soul. I don't know if that's a particularly <laughs> uh, female fan thing to be doing. <laughs> mm. um, but, uh, but yeah, um, when I talk to my mother about Michael Jackson, we generally go into very long conversations about, you know, how sensitive he was and what a brilliant artist he was and how hard his life was. We spend most of our time talking about that. <laughs> so, so yeah, so I don't know, but um but my, you know, my journey, I think right now is really about getting people who I do speak to about Michael Jackson to to take it seriously. I still feel like there's a lot of resistance out there from non-fans or even people who consider themselves really casual fans. So I'm trying to engage in discussion uh, with with people and have them listen, have them listen to you guys, have them listen to certain episodes Um uh, and yeah, just get people to kind of be serious about it. Thank you. That's really cool. I have another question. Yes. As a like literary agent, um, so someone in the industry of books and, and things like that, um, tell us about the importance of books written by authors about Michael Jackson and, you know, his legacy and himself. So I think it's really important, and I think it's shocking how little there is out there. When you compare it to to what exists on uh, work on other major artists, even in terms of podcasts, I think you guys have talked about you know the number of Beatles podcasts there are compared to the number of Michael Jackson podcasts. Um, so I think it's incredibly important. I want more of that, more of it. I do think because of everything MJ went through in the final, you know, decade of his life, it really, really hurt his career in many, many obvious ways, but also in terms of people taking him serious posthumously. So right now I'm really excited that there are people who are working so hard and who are not making any money <laughs> at all. Um, who I are, think you that's know, a good to- thing for you to clarify, actually, and yes. that was going to be a follow-up question, oh, which good. can, can yeah. dovetail into this same answer, I guess. Like, just you can continue on with that thread, but just on that note of people not really making money from Michael Jackson books, it would be great if you could sort of just in a nutshell explain that and also your feelings about when you might see fans accusing authors of cashing in on Michael's name by writing, or not even just fans, anyone that releases a book, sorry, anyone that releases a book regarding Michael Jackson about how that is cashing in on his name. Yeah. So 
if you have ever thought that someone is going off and making a fortune <laughs> and writing a Michael Jackson book, I promise you from my professional perspective, they are not. Um, they're really, first of all, in general, there is not much money in publishing. There are very few authors writing about anything who are making significant money. You know, the huge bestsellers are kind of the only people who do that. In terms of Michael Jackson, no, nobody's cashing in. I I absolutely promise there are blood, sweat, and tears going into all of these books that are being put out right now. Um, these are, you know, what I'm seeing with um, all the writers of Michael Jackson books and also articles, any sort of content. Um, they are putting in so many of their own hours, oftentimes with not a lot of support or enthusiasm from anyone behind them. They're doing it all through their own volition and making it happen and not making a dime off it. Usually they're losing a lot of money because they're having to put together a lot of the package themselves. Trade publishing, and so that means traditional publishing as opposed to self-publishing, um, I will say doesn't really want to touch most Michael Jackson books right now if we want to get into that market assessment. Um, why, and it's why is that? Why do you think that is? Yeah, it's well, it's really, really frustrating because I've I've actually tried to do a few projects here and there over the years, and it's just been really difficult. Um, and I think I think it's I think it's because publishers, traditional publishers believe that there is no interest. They believe in certain stigmas they've attached to Michael Jackson. They won't take him seriously. I do think there are certain perceptions about the fan community, uh, you know, and thinking they are defending Michael Jackson at any cost and not thinking about the reality of things. And a publisher doesn't want to get caught up in that perhaps, but I'm really, I'm really, really hoping that over time, that will change. I think perhaps it's starting to change with some of the books that have been published in the last few years. I think that the best thing that um, fans can do is to support the people who are writing this material, who are putting it out in the world, who are working so hard and using their own money um, to do that. And uh, through that, I think over time, traditional publishers will start to see that there is a really interested, serious, sophisticated group of readers and book buyers out there who really do want these books in the world. Until publishers see that, they are hesitant to take risks on paying a writer in advance to write a book. The publishing industry is not known for taking chances very often, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, so all of this is to say I'm I'm hoping I, I really think we're in a moment of change. I, I firmly believe that. And um, and to keep supporting the writers who are going out there and putting many, many hours into doing this stuff, because they're the ones who are pushing us forward in the right direction. Wow, that's so cool. Thank you so much for those incredible answers. They were terrific to listen to and some great <laughs> advice in there. So yeah, I, I <laughs> would totally agree that we do need to, if we, if we want Michael Jackson books, we need to support Michael Jackson books. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's why um, we we don't get every single author of a Michael Jackson book on the show, but uh, we 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 the ones that we want to talk about, we certainly do like to support. And um, yeah, I think fans can. That's something easy that fans can do. So thank mm-hmm. you. Absolutely. Wow. Well, again, thank you so much for being our amazing web assistant. And uh, thank you, guys. Welcome to the MJ Cast world. Um, mm-hmm. But you're not going to be the really the only new voice that listeners are going to be hearing uh, throughout season four. Uh, we also alluded to earlier in the show and also at the end of last year uh, that moving forward, we're going back to a concept that we had way back in the beginning that we sort of dipped our toes in, but we never sort of went all the way with it. We're going to be having some other voices in the way of correspondence. Jamin, did you want to tell people more about that concept? And then we've got some introductions to make. Yeah, sure. So what we originally wanted to do with the MJ cast is have a team of people on the periphery of our show that are experts in certain areas that can contribute sort of voice excerpts or vocal excerpts to to episodes where warranted. So we always followed that through with a particular um, correspondent, Charlie Thompson, who's our legal correspondent. But we've now expanded that out to include a range of um, other people as well. So we've now got Anthony King as our live performance correspondent. We've got Stephen Hodges from MJ Fans for Charity as our charity correspondent. Uh, We also have Janneke Vanderlind, um, from the Netherlands as our Jackson family correspondent. And um, who am I forgetting? We've got some regional correspondents as well for different areas around the world that we'll talk about um, Michael Jackson fan events that happen in certain regions. All right. Was I forgetting anyone else, Q? I can't. There probably is. We always forget someone. Yeah, but I can't really think of it at the moment. I think that's that's everyone, and and these are really exciting people who all run sort of fan communities or or they all run websites within that vein. So they're they're experts in the fields that they'll be talking about. So whenever there's like, for example, a, an update in a Jackson family situation, if there's a new album coming out or something like that, we'll hear from Yannicka and um, likewise with the other with the other people. So we're moving into a really exciting 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 time for the MJ cast. That is yeah. right. It is going to be exciting. Yeah, we've we've actually got some um, vocal snippets already submitted from these people. Um, they'd like to introduce themselves to uh, the listenership, um, so we might go ahead now and, and listen to um, Yannicka, um, our Jackson family correspondent, first. Hi, my name is Yannicka, and I live in the Netherlands. And you may know me as the person who handles Jackson Source. My passion for the Jackson family started when I was 11 years old and went to see Michael Jackson's Dangerous Tour in Rotterdam with a friend and her parents. It was the most magical experience and I considered myself a fan from then on and obviously started to find out everything about Michael Jackson and his family, including Michael's career with his brothers with the Jackson 5 and the Jacksons. Um, Obviously, in the early 90s, Michael was the hottest male artist in the world, and Janet had also risen to be the hottest female artist of all time. So I was 15 when I went to see Janet live in Rotterdam, and I was a massive fan of her as well. Then a year later, I fell in love with the song and music video of anything that was played on MTV. 
and the voices sounded familiar to me, but I didn't know yet that these cute men were Jacksons, but I, I soon learned that Tosh, Terrell, and TJ were the sons of Tito and the nephews of Michael and Janet, and they were the next generation of Jacksons. So soon after that, 3T visited Amsterdam on their promo tour, and I went to see them live. Uh, they did a performance at a, at a mall, which resulted in a memorable chaos when thousands of people showed up for the guys. And the years 96, 97, 98, those were the best times of my life because being a fan of Michael, Janet and 3T and them touring in Europe meant I was able to see the shows of the History Tour, the Brotherhood Tour and the Velvet Rope Tour. It was, it was magic. The best years ever. But in 1998, when the official Dutch Jackson fan club in the Netherlands was looking for a new crew member, I applied for the job and I got it. So that's where I started to handle with the fan community. I wrote newsletters, collected news, and from then on, I started writing for the Jackson Magazine, doing its layout, share news on a website. Uh, I became a spokesperson for the press and media. I did all kinds of things. But unfortunately, when in 2006, uh, the curtains fell for the official Dutch Jackson fan club, I decided to launch Jackson Source with the original intention of providing a temporary gesture and service to former fan club members and fans to just help them find their way to the latest news on the internet on their own, basically. But that service of me sharing the latest news in a way of helping fans became very popular and I decided to continue my efforts a little longer than originally planned. And so in 2008, I started thinking of creating, designing and publishing another Jackson magazine as a way of providing a retrospect of one year of happenings of the Jacksons, featuring exclusive content that was not available online. Because I felt it would be nice to create a collector's item that you can actually hold in your hands in a world where everything is digital and online. Um, and by then, I was in touch with Jackie and Deals and Brandy and Tosh. And over the years, my Jackson magazine became known and appreciated among other families, family members, and they reached out to me sooner or later. Uh-oh. In my entire fanhood and in over 10 years of managing Jackson Soros on my own, I have had the pleasure and privilege of seeing Michael, Janet, the Jacksons, Jermaine, 3T, LaToya and Austin live on stage and meet a lot of Jacksons and actually spend memorable times with them. And I got to meet a lot of people and fans from all over the world, which is really, really, really nice. Unfortunately, I never met Michael in person, and that dream cannot be fulfilled anymore. But I do ho hope that my dream of meeting Janet, Reby, and Randy comes true one day. I just want to say I'm really excited to be partnering with the MJ Cost because I love what you guys do as far as keeping the family's legacy alive and being so supportive and wrapping up the latest news and discuss what is going on in a podcast. Thank you, Q and Jamin, for having me on your amazing show and all the best to you. Wonderful. That was Yannicka. And uh, coming up, you'll hear a little story about Yannicka, who I got to meet. Uh, but today we're also introducing Stephen of Michael Jackson Fans for Charity, and he will be our charity correspondent. Hi, MJ fans. My name is Stephen from the UK and I'm the founder and volunteer of MJ Fans for Charity, otherwise known as MJFFC. 
I'm humbled to have been given the opportunity to contribute as a Michael Jackson charity correspondent by the MJ cast, and I can't wait to provide updates to everyone about the charitable aspects of the MJ community happening around the globe since Michael passed. I first discovered MJ, if you like, when watching a video of the Motown 25 anniversary concert when Michael debuted the moonwalk for the first time. I remember we rolled back the carpet in our living room and I learnt how to moonwalk there and then. Over the years from that moment, I've been involved with helping out at various MJ-related fan gatherings and also through the Michael Jackson News International Fan Club, which some of you in the UK may remember. I was given the opportunity to appear on UK TV in the run-up to Michael's 40th birthday bash that MJ and I organised in London. Through MJ and I, I ran a local You Are Not Alone group where the idea was to get MJ fans connected all over the world and through this I met some great MJ fans and made some many new MJ fan friends, some of which I'm still in contact and bumping into randomly at MJ events even today. When Michael died in 2009, I felt like a part of me activated. I really wanted to help continue Michael's message, so I reached out to the Healed World Foundation and assisted them with various things. It got trickier with them, as many of you may know, so I eventually looked into ways I can make a difference on my own. I started fundraisers on charity platforms and after this experience I was ready to launch my own full-blown project idea in 2011 which was called the Michael Jackson Monthly Giving Project. The idea of this project was to give the opportunity to fans to be able to contribute as little as £1 per month which forms a much larger charity pot. To date we have given over $20,000 to more than 70 charities in memory of Michael, all this with just around 40 regular monthly donors. In time, we hope to have a lot more fans on board, as we know there are just millions out there waiting to help in memory of Michael, and because we fund the charity ourselves personally, and through UK gift aid, all of the money MJ fans are giving after transaction fees goes to the chosen charity each month. I feel we can really make a difference in this world if we all pull together as one and get behind the MJ-inspired charities out there that are really trying their hardest to do their bit and to pay it forward as a tribute. There'll be more updates about these various charities in forthcoming episodes. We need to connect more fans more than ever now. Some fans feel the community is divided, but one thing is clear. Believe it or not, we are all on the same side. I know it might seem like that sometimes, but it is okay to have the odd disagreement. We can and should still keep a united spirit. I personally think MJ fans are some of the most strongest, passionate and talented fans out there. If we can channel all of this into something positive, this has to be a good thing. We really do have the power to make that change. I see the MJ cast as a great way to continue to connect fans to Michael and to each other, which is why I'm delighted to be of some assistance to them going forward. I can't wait to be a part of all of this and hope you will join myself and the MJ cast team in learning more about the charity side of Michael. It's a side that all fans should know about and sadly a subject which predictably the mainstream media continue to choose to ignore. I can be reached on the usual socials, so just search for MJFFC and Stephen Hodges on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to connect. You can also see the work we are doing at www.mjffc.org where we have details about our project and also our recently updated global total of MJ-inspired charitable fundraising that has been happening around the world for the last eight years. Thank you so much again to Jamin and Q for this opportunity. I look forward to providing more and more updates over many MJ Cast episodes to come. So until next time, keep making that change. Really excited to be partnering up with Stephen. He does some great work at MJ Fans for Charity, and I can't wait to to um, you know have a, a big push this year into showing people different ways that we can contribute resources um, 
and practical efforts to improving different areas of the world. So well done to Stephen and what you, what you do. And we can't wait to work with you this year. And throughout the season, we'll uh, have some other voices that we get to introduce. And uh, we look forward to that very much. And I'm sure you guys look forward to some new voices as well, because you must get so bored of listening to us. <laughs> Never. <laughs> I can say that as I can say that as a listener. Oh, you guys are you. crazy. I would be. Funny. When did you um? When did you actually start listening to the MJ Cast, Elise? What what sort of episode? That's or season? a really good question. I, it was I. It was actually very memorable because um, it was I found out about you guys. When Paris mentioned you because of the whole Joe Fines thing, oh, right. yeah, okay, and, yeah, and wow. in fact, in fact, I remember I, in fact, I tweeted either tweeted or Facebooked um, and said, "How did I not yet realize there was a Michael Jackson podcast? Oh my god!" <laughs> and I became a completely so what that was I think that was January of I can't believe that was really only a little over a year ago. That's yeah. unbelievable to me because. I've been listening to you my entire life, but, uh, but yeah, I became a very dedicated listener and burned through all this, all the seasons you'd done up to that point. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's when it started. Wow. There's been a few listeners that have, uh, mentioned that they have sort of, uh, discovered us and then, yeah, like yourself burned through the back catalog. (laughs) I feel sorry for them in some ways. I know because especially at that point there was you know two seasons uh, and even people coming in later now there's like three full seasons and 70 odd episodes and I'm like how can you burn through that much back catalog like as much as I love podcasts I think if I came across a new favorite I would be only able to sort of um you know go back into their back catalog and maybe go through show notes and pick the episodes that really, really fully involve something that I need to hear. And, um, but wow, that's amazing. And thanks Paris Jackson for introducing Elise to us. And there we are now, Elise is our web assistant. <laughs> I Thank know. You look, I, I was thinking about that today. In fact, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that's only a year ago. And look at everything that's happened since then and where my life is now. It's amazing. It's incredible. I'm so happy. My life I have to say, is my life has feels kind of complete now. Like I have everything I need. So oh, that's cool. <laughs> Except for a good paycheck from us. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, you know what? I have so much respect. I mean, this is this is art. This is you know, this is the most valuable, wonderful thing you could be doing. So it's, it's fantastic. I'm sitting at the dining table talking to Jamin and you on Skype. It's it's just fans <laughs> hanging out. Just, what what did you call us the other day, Jamin? You said MJ Pirate Radio. That's how I like to look at us. A little, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like that too. That is, that is very that. Yes, that's spot on. I think. Yeah, we say it like it is, no matter what. So sometimes we get some flack for it, but hey, all good. It's just us. Just us talking, like we always did.
from the Thriller video, and you're listening to the MJ cast. Now, Q, we we need to talk about your adventures. You've been off traveling around the world. We've we've had a a few-month break, um, and during that time, you've been off exploring Europe. Tell us all about that. Well, like I mentioned at the the start of the show, the reason why maybe 
the break sort of went on for as long as it did. Part of it was because I was away uh, overseas for pretty much most of February. And yeah, in the background, we were doing little bits and pieces and, you know, talking with Elise. And uh, when I got back, we did do a couple of recordings, uh, someone that we'd been unable to fit into last year's schedule. We chatted with um, Andy and, and Chris as well. But for most of February, I was away and we went over to the Netherlands uh, to see my family-in-law over there. The hubs is from the Netherlands and, and I love going over there. And because we built a house in recent years, we hadn't been over for a few years. So it was great to finally get back over there because I love it um, and I love Rotterdam which is where we were for like 17 nights. And finally, I got to do some little Michael Jackson things in my travels, which I'd hoped to have done, but it never worked out. And this time it did. And now I'm trying to remember all of the things. I don't want to leave anything out because it was such a great trip. So I think firstly, we had mentioned, you know, the Michael Jackson history statue from the promotion of history sort of uh, a, a lot really and we yeah, talked we about because <laughs> it's so cool and now, i've always seen it as sort us- of like a pilgrimage like for to go and see that I, I you know what i mean like michael jackson fans all around the world always talk about wanting to go there yeah and there's a couple around the world i think there's one in south africa and i think there's one in italy Switzerland somewhere, there's that great little gif of the fireworks being set off around yeah. one that we've used in our New Year's um, posts a few times. So th- there's a few. And the statues did come. One of them came to Australia. It appeared in uh, Sydney and Melbourne, I believe. But I never got to see those. But I know like Paul Black got to see the, the Sydney one when it was floating off uh, the opera house for when Michael got his big presentation and awards because he was there. But I never got to see one and I'd always wanted to see one. And of course, there's the one that was purchased by the owners uh, of a McDonald's franchise in Best, a little village in the Netherlands. So I think the story is that they purchased that and the money went to the Ronald McDonald charity. I think that's how it came about. But they're, they're big fans. The McDonald's is like a 1950s sort of style McDonald's and with some rock and roll stuff, there's a little bit of memorabilia of like maybe Elvis and Beatles and things like that. There's this Cadillac or something hanging from the ceiling of the restaurant, which is pretty cool. Wow. There's some little Michael things in there. There's a mystery soft drink can they've got um, in there and some great pictures and things like that that I tweeted out. Um, but they have this statue and they really look after it. Like a few years ago, they took it down and they sent it away and it got completely refurbished. And even now it's so clean and it looks as good as new. It still doesn't look like Michael that much, but it does look like it's in <laughs> terrific condition. So I think it was even possibly the first season when we did get an email from one of our awesome listeners. Uh, his name is Mahil and he's also in the Netherlands. And he said, you know, um, if you're ever over here, let me know and we'll do a little trip and I'll take you out to see the statue. And I'd always remembered that. I had always remembered that. 
And when it looked like we were planning this trip, I went back through the emails and um, I found that he also, you know, heard me talking about going back over on the show and he sent me a reminder email saying the offer's still there, which was so sweet. So I went back and found all his emails and learned a little bit about Mahil and uh, we teed it up. We organized it and it was so fun. So um, Mahil came and picked me up in Rotterdam. He actually drove from Amsterdam, picked me up from Rotterdam and then we drove, it was about an hour drive, uh, which was shorter than what the the Google Maps said. And we, we headed out and I love McDonald's. So this was fine because I hadn't had Maccas for the whole trip and I was looking forward to getting a burger and a shake. So we went out, it was a gray, very gray, cold day, which I love the cold. So uh, that was fun. And I was all rugged up and um, we, we made the drive out and Mahil, thank you so much. I really, really, really appreciate the offer that you made so long ago and that you remembered and that you listened to the show. That's one of the biggest things that I'm always so appreciative of people listening to the show. And uh, it was so nice to meet you. And, you know, it was just fun. Just this, me and this awesome guy talking, you know, about Michael's stuff on the drive. And then we, we, like the McDonald's is sort of just really on the edge of this village near a highway but not near much else. So I imagine getting there via public transport probably would be quite difficult. And we, we pulled up and I could sort of see the statue as we got to where the McDonald's is. It's near a Volvo and sort of commercial district where some other um, shops and warehouse things are. So it's really sort of in the middle of nowhere. And um, I finally got to see the statue and it was so cool. And even with the gray clouds behind it, it sort of washed out in some of the photos. So we had to sort of adjust the levels to make the statue look good in some of the pictures um, that will pop in the show notes. But um, yeah, seeing the statue with the clouds behind it, as gray as they were, uh, was so cool. And it was... um, yeah, it's really cool. So if you ever get the chance, somehow go and see it because it is really cool. And I'm really happy that finally I got to see it and have a great sort of day with Mahil. We, you know, we went there, we saw the statue, got a whole bunch of photos. We had lunch there. We went out and got some more photos. And then we were so cold that we had to go back inside and have like a hot coffee to warm up. And then uh, on the drive back to Rotterdam, he pulled into this sort of forest area and we went to this cafe, this beer garden cafe uh, where this national park is. And we had like another hot drink there. I love Chocomel. It's like a really thick chocolate milk they have in the Netherlands and you can have it hot or cold. So I had a hot one uh, to defrost a little bit uh, on the way back. And um, that was really cool. And I had a great great day and uh, my dream of finally seeing the statue came true because uh, of Mahil, one of our wonderful listeners. There was a little side story when we were there, which I think you both get a kick out of. When we were taking photos, you know, we were like, I had put a call out on the Facebook page of the statue and on our Twitter for other people letting them know what time I would be there and no one came, which is fine because it was fairly short notice But a car did come with a mum and a dad and I think a sister and a little boy. And I think he'd be about four years old. And when he was pulled up and they all got out of the car, I noticed he was carrying 
like A4 printouts of Michael Jackson pictures. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, this is cool. This is a, like a family's brought this little boy. And that's what it was. His mum and dad had brought their son to see the statue. I don't think maybe for the first time. I think they'd been before. And he was dressed up as well. He had like a little hat. And then under his thick winter coat, he had like a little Billy Jean sequin jacket. And he had like like the little pants and T-shirt. And he had these pictures and they put them up on the fence there uh, for a little tribute. And it was just the most heartwarming moment to see that this little fan had been brought here by his parents and was doing something that he was clearly so excited about, you know, leaving these pictures at the Michael Jackson statue. And it was just such a lovely moment. And, you know, just, I think you guys would feel the same where it's like, Oh, I think Michael's going to be in good hands. Like there's still brand new fans out there forming every day, like including little kids. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. I think that's so cool. Cutest little kid too in the photos. <laughs> yes, he was. It was just the cutest thing. The little costume was just like yeah. too much. It was like, oh my god, this is just. Yeah, it was a really, you know, that was the moment that I was there, and maybe that happens all the time. I don't know, but just for me, seeing that, it sort of just topped the day off in an unexpected, perfect way. It was really cool, and so also, awesome. I'm jealous. <laughs> so if you're ever over there. Try and, you know, if you rent a car or whatever, go and see it because it was pretty cool. I'll it was, for that. me, it was worth it. What was that, Jamin? I said, I'll be doing that. That's one of my, when I'm, you know, when I go to <laughs> Europe with, uh, with Lee one day, because we haven't been to Europe together yet. Uh, that's definitely on my list of things to do for sure. Um, in Rotterdam, I was sort of hunting for, there was like a walk of fame area. I think it was over near the Maritime Museum. And I had seen it years ago, and I think somewhere on a hard drive I have photos, but there was, I think, handprints or footprint, like shoe prints from LaToya Jackson. And we went hunting for that, but they've moved it. And it's not listed on the, the place anymore on the website that it features LaToya. So if anyone in Rotterdam knows if that does actually contain LaToya's sort of um, contribution to this little walk of fame in Rotterdam. Could you let me know? Because maybe next time I can, if it's still somewhere, if it has been moved elsewhere, I'd love to go and share pictures of that again. The other little Michael element to my travels uh, was I got to meet Yannicka from Jackson Source, who you just heard from as our Jackson family correspondent. And obviously, you know, we've been talking with Yannicka right from, very early in in the MJ cast history and uh, we got to play wonderful promos for her website and magazine for a few seasons and then this year she's officially our Jackson family correspondent and uh, she couldn't make it to best the same time as Mahil and I to see the statue uh, but I got a train uh, and then Yannicka got a train from where she lives and we sort of met almost halfway Yannicka had to come a little bit further than me, but we uh, caught up um, and we had a great lunch together and a great meetup. And uh, Yannicka gave me a few little gifts, which I'm, I'm very appreciative of, some of the beautiful, beautiful Jackson Source magazines, which uh, she releases annually. And I can just 
so highly recommend. The quality of these little Jackson family annuals are just beautiful. And Yannicka, of course, does so much uh, to support the Jackson family and to get the news out, which I think fans really appreciate. And, uh, yeah, we had a great little catch-up that day, and it was awesome to, to meet Yannicka, and I really appreciate her time uh, travelling to see me as well. So that was really another little highlight. And I think I got both uh, Yannicka and Mahil addicted to Tim Tams. Jamin, you know what Tim Tams are? <laughs> of course I know what they are. I've had Tim Tams. You have? Yes, they're wonderful. Tell us. Oh, it was a while ago, but I really enjoyed them. <laughs> so, so tell I think tell someone had brought them all are. the way. Oh, I don't think I'll describe them very well. <laughs> You're probably, you guys will probably describe them better, but I can attest to the fact that they are delicious. <laughs> so they're yeah, a, they're little a, chocolatey yeah. cookie things. Yeah, yeah, yeah go ahead. In Australia, cookies are called biscuits. Scones are what I think you guys call biscuits or something. You call something else biscuits, which is odd. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they're like a chocolate chocolate covered biscuit. They're quite small. They're smaller than they're about maybe the third the size of an ATM card that you get money out of the, the things. They're, they're not big. <laughs> a third, um, they're not. They're bigger than that. They're nearly as really nearly about, as long. About hold, I've got an ATM card right next to me. And they are, I would say, they ATM are longer than a, a point third. There is like a, they are three quarters the length of an ATM card queue and they are about <laughs> half as wide. I reckon. Okay, I would say but, half the size of an ATM card. Okay, okay we'll, we'll settle on half. <laughs> yeah, we'll settle on half. Um, but they do come in a variety of flavors, and um, I took them a packet, and I don't think there'd be any left by the time this show goes to air. But that was a little gesture I had. Yeah, I did forget to say, actually, I did at this statue, I did take a little Aussie tribute and put it up on the fence. So if you're visiting and if it's still there, if you see an Aussie flag and below that a little bandana with the Australian flag print on it, uh, that was from me. That was from Q of the MJ cast. And I just left that little tribute there. Um, but it is out in the weather and, you know, things don't age well when they're out in the weather. But I did forget to mention I left that little tribute there on behalf of us and our listeners and all Australians. You know what we need to do is we need to sort of laminate a, uh, a logo, the MJCast logo with the website on there and put that on the fence. Like zip tie it to the fence. If, Anyone who goes there, they're going to see us. That's a good way to promote. Yeah, I had thought of that and I just didn't get time to arrange that. But um, even things that were zip tied and laminated are not aging well. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You guys, just so you know, I'm like prepared to set up a whole shop for you. Like we need to do <laughs> t-shirts and stickers. Oh, yes. Wow. Alice, I like want a sticker yes. for my car. <laughs> we have discussed That's this. Awesome. We, okay, uh, let's do it. We, I want t-shirts. Yeah, well, hang on, hang on. Let's remember <laughs> one of the reasons why we sort of hadn't gone that avenue. We don't want to get shut down oh yeah that's right john branker will good come point, after us point. in our sleep okay. yeah he'll finally have an excuse to shut us down because we're infringing on copyright or something um well you know what i think we should do i think i think if we if we do anything i reckon mugs i, I would love an mj cast mug consider it then wow <laughs> yes 
Oh, well, <laughs> let's see. Let's see. That's what okay. your web assistant is for. Maybe we won't be selling <laughs> these things. Maybe we'll just ask for donations for them so that we're not breaking any laws. I don't know how we'll get around that. We'll have to look into that. Yes, I'll, I'll, I'll do it by trade. Down. If you send me an MJ shirt, I'll uh, <laughs> send you a product. <laughs> Cool. Um, well, thanks for letting me share my little travel stories. Yeah, well, it's good to have you back as well, though, Q, back in the back in the country. I miss the Netherlands already. I love it so much <laughs> there and the cold weather that I did get flurries of snow for one guest appearance in the afternoon for a few hours. What the whole time I was there, it was cold, but there was just one afternoon where it did have flurries of snow and I was very excited. Yeah, and yeah. then, of course, after I got home, the beast from the east hit Europe and in the UK, and Wait, what um, is that? Can you explain what that is? What is the beast from? It the was east? a big weather system. Something out of a Marvel movie, or what? But apparently, almost it was um, a huge weather system that blanketed parts of Europe uh, oh. and the UK in huge, huge falls of snow, uh, and had quite an effect on transport and and things like that. Um, so my mother-in-law said, oh, "I was, you know, you guys left too early because now there's so much snow that Q would have just been so happy to see it all. So, but that's okay. I did get my little special appearance that felt like it had been dropped just for me of the snow flurries one afternoon. So, Very and we're cool. heading into winter now in Australia slowly, like it's now autumn. Oh yeah, it's so, getting cooler, isn't it? It's uh, the mornings have really been." pretty chilly in brisbane which yeah. is which is it's been good to see you as well key you've come and seen me a couple of times now since uh since you've been back and it's been good hanging out seeing you hang out with my daughter i've enjoyed that yeah that's been fun and now that you live in civilization with people yes. around it must be very exciting for you yes yes it is good it is good good to be back all right well that was, that was cool. some good stories q thanks for your travel stories Elise is going to join us for our Finds of the Week segment. But, uh, Jamin, I see you've got yours in here first. What is your yeah. Find of the Week that everyone can head to the show notes and uh, discover? Well, they can head to the show notes and um, they can they can actually listen to it. My Find of the Week is a song. Um, this is a, a bit of a hidden gem in the MJ – I wouldn't say MJ's catalogue, but it's, um, it's a song that came out on a 2006 album – called Versatility. Now, this is an instrumental album by hip-hop producer Rodney Jerkins, who worked with Michael in the late 90s um, and 2000s for the Invincible album. And uh, he basically put an instrumental album out. There's just a bunch of really sparse kind of hip-hop beats on there that um, I don't know whether he, you know, there were beats he hadn't used before or beats that he, you know, put out intending for other people to rap over if they wanted to or whatever. But but there's a song on there uh, called Ride With Me. And <clears throat> it's pretty well known, I guess, in, in the Michael Jackson fan world. But if you're just a casual fan, um, check this song out for sure. Because it's got, it's just like a hip hop beat with some... But it's really slow. It's like a slow hip-hop instrumental with some really cool acoustic guitar over the top of it, I think by a guy called Tim Stewart. And um, it's got some Michael Jackson vocals in there, some outtake vocals from the Invincible Sessions. And I think these vocals, I'm not 100% sure, but I think they're also from um, the song that Michael collaborated with Brandy on that went onto her album. I, I think it's called It's Not Worth It, but I'm not 100% on that. But um, anyway, yeah, I think they might be the same vocals. 
Not sure, but they're just repeated throughout the song Ride With Me. Um, it is a really, really relaxing song that I like to put on when I'm doing other things like reading. Um, and it's just a, a real hidden gem with some great Michael vocals. So I hope you guys enjoy Ride With Me if you hadn't heard it before. Have you, did you, have you guys heard Ride With Me? I have not. Ooh, something new for Elise. I check know. it out. You'll like it. Check it out. It's good. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, don't get excited, guys. It's not like a unreleased Michael song sort of thing. It's it's very bare bones, but it's um yeah. I love the little melody. It's yeah, very like, yeah, very cool, very it's smooth. Like five seconds of five to ten seconds of Michael vocals, but it's just repeated all the way through the whole song, and they're really cool. Cool. Well, my link in the show notes for my find of the week is an incredible Rolling Stone article. Uh, It's called How Michael and Janet Jackson Created the New Black Rockstar. And it is such a terrific read. So it touches on uh, how Michael collaborated with Eddie Van Halen and Steve Stevens and his rock and roll uh, performances and style of performance and the way his concerts were set up and music and his impact on that. And then also Janet's uh, contribution and sort of her rock and roll elements to her songs and performances as well. And how that was quite a new thing for not only MTV, but also uh, white audiences um, and yeah, it's a very, very well-written article and I really hope you all go and check it out because it was, um, very educational and a great reminder of their legacy that they have sort of participated in with rock and roll and, and rock music. Yeah, I fully agree. I, I love this piece. I love it. Surprised it didn't get as much attention because it is so well-written. Yeah, it yeah. is, and it's got a lot of um, like actual quotes from these people that worked on the on the songs, talking about what, you know the circumstances in which they worked on them. Um, <clears throat> it's actually a really good piece. Um, I don't know. I I didn't see it really get that much attention either. I don't know why. When did it come out? Not too um, long ago, as far as I know. Yeah, February fourteenth. So about a month ago. Yeah, it kind yeah. of went under the radar this one, but the they've put a lot of great like clips in there as well. Like you can see, um, you know, they've put Dirty Diana, Black Cat, the actual YouTube videos yep. in there. It's very, very, very yep. well put together. So if you read it, share it on social media, guys. Get it out there because it's well worth people reading. Good mm-hmm. job, Brittany Spanos, the author. Okay. Yeah, I got that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no one else would, but that's okay. We, we know your train of thought. <laughs> Elise, you have a find of the week. Uh, yes, I have a find of the week. Um, so this, this also on the MJ journalism front, um, this just came out today um, on theguardian.com. Um, so this is a new piece by Joseph Vogel, um, who you are all familiar with. And, um, and it's kind of just been circulating on social media. And I just highly recommend everybody check it out, you know, just in line with everything I was saying earlier about how we need to do, I think, all we can to, you know, foster and support journalism and books and any sort of writing or, or whatever, you know, else uh, that we can about, 
MJ and his legacy. Um, and so this is part of that, in my view. So this piece is called Black and White, How Dangerous Kicked Off Michael, ja- Michael Jackson's Race Paradox. And it's just a really, you know, it's a, it's a look at the Dangerous album and really a look at putting it in con- historical context, which I think a lot of us, probably not of us in the, you know, series fan community, hopefully, but um, in general, people really forget about the historical context of, you know, that album and just how, how important it was and what a big statement it was um, at that moment. Uh, So when riots were going on in LA and just so much was going on, on, you know, the race front and what a big, big, important statement Dangerous was making. This piece is a great reminder of that. It puts it in that context. It's very readable. I highly recommend you all check it out. It has uh, some, a couple of nice little images with it too. So that's on the Guardian's website. I think you can both agree with me and listeners. I know a lot of you also will agree. As a Michael Jackson fan, there probably has always been at least one occasion where you someone discovers that you're a fan of Michael and then they'll say, well, why did he make the song black or white if he turned from black to white? And we've all been in that situation. And this article, I think, is really great at sort of putting this into a context, uh, a historical context and legacy context. And exactly, if you need some pointers on how to answer that ridiculous question that people will ask you as a fan, here you go. Yeah, I, I think things are getting getting better there in some ways as well. Like I also get those questions a lot, particularly being a teacher kids often that's the number one thing whenever I talk about Michael Jackson mm. in the classroom kids always ask how come Michael turned white and then another kid without fail always chimes in and says well he had a skin disease so I think it's getting better in terms of people understanding and knowing that which is good but I think the the this article does a great job in reminding people that you know Michael was a champion for rights and really used the 90s especially his art in the 90s, to bring awareness to problems that his people were facing and to raise raise his people up. Like I really liked how even though most of the articles about black or white, the when he starts talking about Remember the Time and the video and how like yeah. that video is absolutely jam-packed to the walls full of incredible black artists and was directed by a, the director of one of my favorite ever movies, um, Boys yep. in the Hood. Like this, and yeah. pretty much is still the only sort of historically accurate in the regards that um, portraying Egyptian, you know, African royalty as black people, because yeah. we know the horrendous tradition of whitewashing stories in Hollywood. There, this is still one, if not the only example of um, black cast portraying black royalty in the stature that they were. So, yeah, exactly. That's great. Great article. Good job. Jo. Great yeah. article. Thank you, Elise, for that find of the week. Thank you. Oh, can I add one tiny mini find of the week? Ooh, sure. I won't really, I won't, I won't really say too much about, but I just want to point out um, that it was so exciting this past week. Those of you who are in the United States might've seen this um, in USA today, 
on the cover page of their entertainment section was an article about this new movie Paris Jackson is in um, called Gringo, which has tons of huge stars in it. And this huge piece that took up probably, you know, almost half the page that was wasn't about the movie, but was specifically about how awesome Paris is in the movie, hmm. which was super exciting to see. And I was just like so amazed and it was wonderful and it was amazing coverage. I mean, USA Today, if you guys may or may not know, is I think it's the paper with the biggest circulation in the country. I thought that was awesome. They gave her so much praise, even though she has a small part in the movie. um, And that was fantastic to see. So check out that little article if you haven't. Um, It's really exciting. And I'm just so proud and excited of everything that Paris and her siblings are doing. Absolutely. I'm into that. I I actually, um, that's probably my favorite US paper. And it's uh, very available overseas. I know a lot of airlines okay. have that on for long haul flights. Um, hotels often have US Today in their lounge, uh, executive mm-hmm. lounges and at the breakfast lounges. Um, USA Today's there if they have any US papers. So hopefully that article went to sort of all of those different versions that get distributed around the world and a lot of people can see that. That's awesome. Yeah. And we'll, uh, that link will also be in the show notes. Yeah, sorry, that was my surprise there. Surprise. Yeah, that's a great surprise. <laughs> nice one. Don't say it's time for us to quit. Don't say goodbye, this can't be it. Baby, please, cause it's not worth it. Walk out on each other. I just, I just think we really need to think about it before we just leave. No, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it to walk away. It's not worth it. Think about it. You came in so much, and it's so funny how you made everything right. And now you're saying to me something neat.
This is Diana Walzak, sculptor of the Michael Jackson history statue, and you're listening to the MJ cast. Well, we've played three songs on this episode. Hope you guys have enjoyed them. That was Brandy's It's Not Worth It from her Full Moon album. Uh, That song features a little vocal snippet from Michael Jackson from the Invincible Sessions that I spoke about earlier in my Find of the Week. Uh, If you want to hear that little snippet isolated and looped with some great acoustic guitar, check out Ride With Me from uh, Rodney Jerkins' instrumental album Versatility. Really, really cool song. And I, I think from memory, actually... Uh, speaking with C.J. Devilla, if you listen to our C.J. Devilla uh, special, he um, he actually talked about when he was working on on uh, songs for Invincible in the late '90s. Brandy actually visited the studio uh, during the Rodney Jerkins sessions and and spoke with Michael at least once. So maybe the collaboration grew out of that. Who knows? But uh, really cool song. Hope you guys enjoyed Brandy's It's Not Worth It. Um, earlier in the show, we also played a great SWG extended mix of Working Day and Night from Off the Wall. And, um, of course, we played In the Closet, KD's 80s remix. Hope you guys enjoyed that one as well. Uh, so we've had three great songs in the episode, and I'm sure Q will uh, run a poll soon where you get to decide as a listener on your favorite um, song out of those those three we're getting to the end of the show, guys. We are. Thanks for joining us for this this half of the show, Elise. Thank you, guys. This has been a total thrill. I just can't believe that I am here and I'm so excited <laughs> and I cannot wait for everything that's going to happen in season four, like coffee mugs. Um, <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, and lots of other exciting stuff. And, you know, huge shout out to everybody who is already a listener. Please, please, please. Keep spreading the word. Tell other people to subscribe. Um, I think that's one of our big, you know, goals this year. And um, I'm just so excited about the weeks and months, and hopefully beyond um, to come. Us too. Mm-hmm. We're back, people. We're back. We're back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, um, Q, we've got a couple of thank yous to to give. Have we? Yes. Do we? Do you want to start that? While yeah, I sure. I will. I will. What? Well, I wanted to thank. Well, it's in the show notes. But thank you. We have a thank you section, right? Anyway, I, I've got a couple nothing. of people I want. To, I, I've got a couple of people okay. I want to thank. So I want to thank three people. So I want to thank Carly, our MJ Cast historian and live tweeting queen, for being patient 
because we've been away for a little while now. And I, I know you love the MJ Cast episodes coming out regularly, but thank you for, for waiting. And we're back and we look forward to your live tweets this season, which will be really good. And um, by the same token, I want to thank Ash Bash as well. Ash, you are awesome. And thank you for being patient as well, because I know you love our shows coming out regularly. Um, I also wanted to th- give a special thank you to Sammy, um, my friend Sammy um, at PentamNJ on Twitter, who um, is a great, great listener and I've been talking to for many years, even before we started the MJ cast. But Sammy, um, it's great to see you back online um, doing lots of MJ stuff again on Twitter, which is really cool. I know you had a little break there for a, a little while, got really busy, but um, thanks for listening to the show and interacting with us heaps on Twitter and yeah, keep Michaeling. Um, I think Elise and I would have far too many people on social media to thank, but we would <laughs> like to thank everyone that we have uh, interactions with. Uh, and so that's um, just a general one because there's so many. There was an email we got in late February from um, Julie French, uh, which was really cool. I'm going to quickly read it if that's okay. Of course. Loving the MJ cast. MJ fan here since 1989. Thanks for all your hard work, time and dedication. I'm amazed. I would not have the patience and or resilience to do what you do. I particularly love the interviews and producers and collaborators where we gain insight into Michael. Please keep these coming if possible. I'm having a brief loving invincible moment. Doesn't happen very often. And I am recalling in my mind the original michaeljackson.com website via dial-up. Kids out there, this is not an email, but just from me, kids out there, dial-up is how the internet used to get delivered and it was through phone lines because there used to be a phone in the house somewhere that was not like a cell phone or a mobile phone and it was very slow. Um, via can, dial-up, can you but, please give us your dial-up modem connection impression, the noise it used to make? Not at all because you're okay. good with sound so you can just insert one in that you can find on YouTube. Done. Uh, the reason for this is the latest MJ cast that talked about Michael and his use of the internet to reach out to fans I guess that would be in reference to your Q&A episode Jamin I remember waiting for hours for some mini videos or graphics to load up on the website it was ahead of its time for the period but would look very amateur today. There were graphics, one for Invincible, two for Unbreakable, and the third graphic was Butterflies, if my memory serves me right. Can you recall these or know of a link to someone that has captured these? I always wondered whether these were produced because Michael was not happy with Sony at the time and therefore was not producing videos or vice versa or whether these were a concept from Michael to be visionary with technology at the time. Whilst my ego would like to think the latter, I probably think it was because Sony had spent loads on the project and needed to start releasing singles. Anyway, it would be amazing if you could recall or signpost me to these. Thank you again for all your amazing work. And P.S. Butterflies is awesome turned up loud. Floatree went to school in Croydon in the UK, the Brit school. My sister had fond memories of teaching these very talented women, and I can never work out how much of their voices is mixed into butterflies. Best wishes and good luck with your ongoing endeavours, the MJ cast from Sam. Actually, so it wasn't from Julie French. Why does it say Sam? There you go. Maybe Sam <laughs> is using Julie's email account to send it. That looks like it. Well, 
There we are. Very quickly, thank you for that email, Julie. Uh, I remember those graphics. I haven't captured them, but if anyone has captured them or sort of can point us to where they might be archived somewhere on the internet, send us a link and we will forward that on to you. But I remember them and I remember the little song snippets that we got to hear. And then when the album came out, we're like, oh, the song snippet we heard wasn't the actual song. It was just the bridge and the rest of the song sounds completely different. I remember that <laughs> <laughs> for her. I think it was Unbreakable. And we're like, oh, it doesn't sound like that at all. Now, in regards to the PS with butterflies, I think the uh, girls from Float Tree, I think for me, I think their vocals are probably quite mixed into butterflies. The The demo from them is so similar to the one that is actually on the album featuring Michael. So me personally, I would answer, and I'm not an expert, but I would say I think there's a good amount of their voices mixed into the track Butterflies. Yeah, I'd agree. But it's, yeah, I like that. Like I like it when Michael occasionally used other background vocalists in his work. Um, it wasn't often, but he certainly did it a little bit more on Invincible than in other eras. But beautiful yes. song, one of my favourites. And I think we can all... Um, I think we can all agree how amazing that song is. Like it's uh, it a is standout. sort of, yeah, it's one of the standout. It was from, like um, on, it was charting so well at the end of the invincible era, really when that, I sort of, I guess by the time that song came out, I was, I would call myself a mega fan for sure. And I was yeah. really keeping a close eye on how Michael was doing on the charts um, at the end of that Invincible era. And Butterflies was like skyrocketing. It was so popular. And I remember like um, at that time as well, I was using all the, what do you call those file sharing programs where you would get music from the internet and not pay for it? Um, Napster and stuff like that. Like that, yeah. <laughs> that song was huge on Napster and BearShare and <laughs> everybody was getting it. And I just, um, I, I think if Butterflies had have had a video, it, it would have been, it would have been a number one, I reckon. It was Absolutely. so strong, yeah. such a strong song. Yeah. And I think that's why so many fans were upset at Sony at that time, to be honest, was of course the overall story of Sony not supporting Michael, but specifically Butterflies, like, it was so clear how well that song was doing and there was no wood behind that arrow from Sony at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, two last thank yous just on Twitter, at uh, G-I-M underscore 16 and at X-C-A-L-I 66-X-Cali 66. Uh, thank you for your constant interactions recently and um, welcome to listening to the MJ cast. That's, is that it? Have we done our first episode of uh, season four? I think we have. I think that's a wrap. Wow. That was good. Thanks for joining us, Elise. Thank you, guys. That was fun. Cool. Well, uh, thanks it. for the show notes that you'll be working on, which people will be going yes. and checking via themjcast.com or opening their podcast app and looking at the show notes there, which is all linked and wonderful and easy to click on, hear the songs we've played, the videos we've spoken about, uh, articles that we've discussed. So, yes, thank you for that. People can, of course, find us on podcast apps like 
Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, uh, search on the Google Play Store for podcast apps for Android devices. We are a podcast and that is meant to be listened to as a podcast on your device and not streaming via the website or via YouTube, preferably because that is an inferior experience for you. And we want to give you the best experience. <laughs> yes, do that, please. I'm just speaking the truth. <laughs> um, and Q, if people want to follow us on social media and hear our crazy opinions about pretty much everything, where are we? Yeah, we are across Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and YouTube, you can search for the MJ Cast and you will find us with our glorious, beautiful logo that I still love, Jamin. <laughs> Thanks, Q. Thanks a lot. No worries. <laughs> uh, I do. I love it. Yeah, me too. It, it's, it's nice. Cool it's bright. It, bright. it brightens up the timeline. I, I have the night mode grayscale Twitter tweet bot, so it, it's very bright yes. on that. Yes, everything should have a night mode and it should be activated all the time as YouTube just introduced. Thank God. Oh, it's so good. Hopefully Apple actually yes. start doing night mode across their whole iOS system because I pretty much get blinded every night when I turn my iPhone on with all the white space everywhere. <laughs> yeah, my, my brightness factor on my devices is actually constantly turned down very low because yeah. of that, partly because of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like sure. it's on a quarter all the time. And that also saves battery a lot. And you guys can email us as well, the MJCast at iCloud.com. That's our email. So let us know what you think of whatever. I like reading all of the emails. I don't always get to reply to all of them. Um, sorry. But, uh, yes, we do read every single email that we get, even the spam ones. There's that print that's going to give us a whole bunch of money. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah look forward to that, that how many yep, spam emails do we money. get every day it's so annoying we get like five a day yeah yeah that's why I never put our email on Twitter like in a reply to a tweet because oh. I think that's how bots capture it as well when you actually yes. put the email online it gets captured by bots and that's how you get more spam hmm that makes sense I'll have mm -hmm. a, take a mental note not to do that in future yeah use the image with the email in it and just put that out there. That's a good idea. Very yep. good. Cool. Well, Elise, it's uh, time for your first ever sign-off. <laughs> Thanks for joining oh, us again. Thank you. This is a lot of pressure here. Uh, <laughs> I'll follow you, okay? <laughs> I really have to go first. Um, well, thank you guys so much again for having me. This has been a blast. Again, just looking forward to everything we have coming up this year. And thank you, everybody, for listening, for being there with us. Um, and this is officially Elise signing off and stay bad. Oh, I love it. It actually sounds really good. <laughs> well, welcome to season four, listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. We will be back soon with another episode of the MJ Cast. And uh, we look forward to season four and, and all of the new things that we'll be discussing and bringing to you. So from Q, signing off, Michael on. And have a great fortnight ahead, everybody. Keep Michaeling.
there we go. That's a wrap, sort of. Now we've got to do the first half of the show. Yeah, sorry, guys. Sorry. The MJ Cast.